Pray with me. Father in heaven, we love you. God, we don't esteem anything above your word. We pray, God, today that you would not just open the word, but open our hearts. We need lives to be impacted, God, by what you have to say. God, so many times in our life, God, we hear certain things, and sometimes, God, things just come to us, and it's just Bible talk. You know what I mean, Lord? It's just Bible talk. And we hear it, and we don't always uh, allow it to really transform us and renew us the way that it has the power to do. But I pray today uh, that you would allow our hearts and our minds, God, if, if, if it took the Holy Spirit to lead men to write, then I know it takes the Holy Spirit to lead men to understand. And so I pray, God, this morning, Father, that you would open our hearts and our minds and let the full weight of your word transform us, change the way we think, change the way we talk, change the way we live, because that's how we worship a God who loved us enough to give us the word in the first place. We love you and we thank you. We ask in Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen, amen. I just want to make a disclaimer this morning. Um, first off, uh, if, if I'm not praying for you guys, just know I've just been in contact with so many sick people. I'm just trying to play it safe. Um, and, uh, and for my household, we have just been, I mean, January has just been a beat down city, you know, so, um, pray for me. I'm trying to get through today. Uh, it just seems like it just never stops altogether. But also this morning, let me just say thank you for, um, let me just welcome my sister and her brother-in-law, uh, her brother-in-law, her husband, my brother-in-law, that would be weird, um, here today, day pastor in Jacksonville. And I just want you to know that all those stories I tell about how perfect my sister is, it's true, okay? So, uh, Y'all might just come to her. Uh, I've, I've not painted you in any way but the truth, uh, Karen. I promise. Y'all, y'all know I, I, wasn't, I wasn't a perfect child, and she was uh, by far the better sibling by all means. Uh, but, but she is here today. Can I just teach this morning? That means I'm just going to slow down, uh, and some of y'all say, okay, right, we'll see. Um, I'm going to slow down this morning. But uh, also, I just, I just, I say this because I need to teach. I'm, I'm, it's going to take some time today. Uh, and I can't rush through this because you'll leave and go, what in the world, what was he talking about? And so I need to just take some time and slow down and, and teach a little bit today. And let me just tell you that some of this stuff, you feel like, oh, why in the world are we need to know all this stuff? And uh, because you don't understand the lies of the enemy, he, he, he slides them in so easy. One of the things we've been talking about last week was general revelation. And general revelation is how God discloses himself to mankind through creation and through conscience, you know. And, uh, and there is a belief that you may not know, but it's called neo-orthodoxy. And that simply means that, that, that the full revelation of who God is was through his son. But the Bible just witnesses it and doesn't have any authoritative power to speak as Christ has the power to speak. And so what that really means in our translation today, which is there's several large churches, I won't call their names because I'm not in trying to beat up the bride this morning, but there are several large churches in our country that believe that, that the Word of God is validated through our experience. That's a problem. <laughs> That's a real big problem. Can you imagine if Job validated his, his, his truth through his experience? And so we want to make sure that we understand that the Word of God has the same power and, and, and authority as Jesus Christ himself. 
for one is the written word and one is the living word. And so as we get into the scriptures today and we understand what we're talking about, I want you to understand we're not just trying to, to dive deep into subjects just because it's fun, although I, I love to kind of geek out that way. I want you to understand there's, there's a real application here, but there's also a real cost. Because one of these days, you and I, we won't have, maybe, we won't have the availability that we have right now to the Word of God. And you might be deceived. The Word of God says the very elect will be deceived. And I don't want you to not know the Word of God fully, that you might be slanted in some understanding later on down the road that the enemy would deceive you in your understanding. And the worst case scenario is that you'd, you'd face the fires of hell because you were ignorant. And so, so let me just teach today. And I, I didn't mean to make that as drastic as it sounds, but you just should just know that the Word of God is very serious, very serious. And I want you to know every bit of it that you can this morning. In, in the world, there are many books, but what makes this one so special? Why is there a necessity to read it, to know it, even to memorize it? How many of y'all memorize Scripture? Okay, that's great. <laughs> Save me the embarrassment, Pastor Scott. No other books claim that it and it alone gives us special knowledge. And that special knowledge that God has disclosed to himself is what we call revelation. We talked about that last week. And so as we look at how God declares himself through general revelation, that is God declo he declares himself through, I feel like I'm, I'm a little hot up here, uh, Eugene, if you don't mind. Um, and I don't need a fan. I'm just, there you go, ring it. Thank you. Uh, it's through nature and through providence and through creation. These are the three things we see in nature. Psalms 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. All those things tell us that God is here, that God exists, that he's real. We have to come face to face with the creator. Someone did this and it wasn't you and I, right? Then there's providence. We talked about that last week. Acts 14, 17 says, Yet he did not leave himself without a witness, for he did good by giving you rains from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your heart with food and gladness. So we see those things. We know that God is providentially interacting in our life. And the last one is through, uh, through your conscience. We saw that in Romans chapter 2, verse 14, for when Gentiles who do not have the law, what's been told to them to do and not do, do by nature what the law requires, right? They're a law to themselves. They have the law of God written upon their heart. So there is a, there is a, a conscience and a creation that God has been exposing, disclosing himself to us. And one might even say that God has been doing that if you look back through human history. Daniel 2.21 says this, he changes times and seasons, he removes kings and sets up kings, he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. So if we look back through time, we can see that God has been raising up empires and pulling down kings all to establish his, his plan, his purposes for this kingdom. So we see God definitely is here. We see him as being sovereign and in control. But the problem is, is that all of that general revelation produces a limited view of God. It doesn't do it adequately enough. Now, maybe before sin entered into the world, but, but that's not the case. That's not where you and I are at. And so I want to give you three things today uh, as to uh, why and what you need to know about Revelation. The first thing you need to understand, and I would, I would, I would encourage you to write these down. You'll see them on the screen later on eventually. But the first one is this, that general revelation can only produce, hear me, only produce a lifestyle worthy of judgment. It can only produce a lifestyle worthy of judgment. 
The second thing is this, that special revelation, which is what we're talking about today, transitions us from the repercussions of sin to the redemption from it. This is what special revelation is about. And then the Bible is the fullness or is the maximum or the ultimate form of special revelation as depicted in Christ. That's why our Bible is very important. That's why your, your habits that you're working on and reading it every day is absolutely essential to your spiritual life and your physical life and your life at large entirely. Because this word is the Lord speaking to us something you cannot find in any other way. You cannot discern the knowledge and the wisdom of God outside of what this Bible is speaking to us. So it's imperative that you understand what it says and why it says that. So the first one is simply this general revelation can only produce a lifestyle worthy of judgment. We saw this last week a little bit. It says in Romans 1, 18 through 20, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. What is the truth that they're suppressing? They're suppressing the things that they see in creation. They suppress those things that God has made himself known in. Verse 19 echoes that. For what can be known about God is plain to them. It's easy to understand. They didn't need a philosopher. They didn't need an astronomer. They didn't need those things. It was plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, so we are without excuse. We see God, we know God, and now there's a response to that. So what I want you to understand this morning is that all of creation is telling us that God exists. That when we see, uh, in fact, if we go back to what Paul says, And Paul says he didn't leave himself without a witness. He says he causes the rains to fall and fruitful harvest to come about. And that fruitful harvest brings about um, food, which is gladness. So when we see those things, we're thinking that God loves us and he's providing for us. The problem is what happens when there are no rains? What happens when there is a famine and you have no food and you have no gladness of heart? Then how do you make sense to the knowledge that there's a God in this world and he's created these things and he's sovereignly over control of the rains and he shuts off the rains and he turns on the rains. In our minds, when we don't have a true knowledge of his plan and who he is as a person, here's what we have. We have the development of religions because the development of religions, all they're trying to do is to answer the question, why is the rains falling and why are not the rains falling? We're trying to make sense of who God is. And so we see God blesses us, and then we see he doesn't bless us. And so we go right into the mode of, you know what, I need to please God. He's not pouring out his provision on us, and life has been horrible, and my whole village has been overtaken, and some other king has made me a slave. All of this is because God is not pleased with me, so the natural response of mankind, you and I included, is simply to do what? Is to do what we think he wants us to do. It's works. It's always works, and it'll always be works. And if we want to up that a little bit more, what we'll do as mankind is simply this. We'll start to give a sacrifice. We'll go to, before it gets bad, let's give a sacrifice. Let's offer some grain. Let's offer some offerings to some degree. And let's hope that God is appeased. And so that way, he'll continue to be blessing us and continue to pour out his love for us and show his reigns for us as our approval. 
And maybe the grains are not good enough. Let's give him an animal sacrifice. Let's show him that things really, really matter. And, and, and man's depravity, let's go even further than that. Let's give him something that we think is absolute worth. Let's give him a human sacrifice. Let's really show God that we desire him. And so in our best mindset, which is a fallen mindset, we try to appease God through works and through sacrifice that he doesn't like. And can I just remind you this morning is that God has already prescribed a way for us to come to him. There is a way that we can walk in fellowship with him and walk in restoration with him, and it is not based off your works. Thank God. There are two types of religions in this world that we could categorize religions, and that is one, simply one that you're working for your, your, your salvation, or one that, that Christ has already done it. One is a works-based and one is a faith-based. And works-based systems affect all kinds of beliefs, whether it's Muslims, uh, whether it's Hindus, um, uh, or whether it's, uh, um, uh, I can't think of the other one it is. Anyway, there's a bunch of them out there. Y'all know that. But even in the small sects of Christianity, where we have like Jehovah's Witness and we have Mormonism, those, those lean into works-based um, systems. And, and just, let me just remind you, when Jesus says it is finished, that's what he meant. That means you can't add to what he did. And if your works can, can, can actually add to that salvation and complete your salvation, then what you did has some kind of equality with what he did on the cross, and that is not going to be right. That's not going to be true. Everything that is needed is done. That's why we preach the finished work of Christ. He did all of it, and we don't have to do anything except, except, except that he did all of it and walk in response that he did all of it. But what we find is that you and I typically walk naturally through general revelation. And that is this. We know God exists. We know that there's a response that's needed by him. We know that we're not perfect. No, no person claims to be perfect. And so we know there's a response to do that. So what do we do? We, 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 as best as we can, we know what the good book says, right? We try to do what the good book says. We try to be a good person, and we try to acknowledge God. And so what we really do is we try to work out our own salvation. We try to be as good as we possibly can. But you guys know the Word of God says that there's no one good. No, not one. And so general revelation has this ability to lend itself into thinking that because we know God exists and we know God requires something from us, there is a proclivity that we have to actually live a good life and to be obedient and to work to maintain our salvation. And that's a trap of the enemy because the enemy doesn't care what you believe so long as you don't believe the right stuff. He will always want you to think that you got to work out your salvation. He will always want you to think that you got to work to keep your salvation. He'll always want you to think that. And he'll have you so distraught and so discouraged that eventually you realize what we already know when we read the Ten Commandments is that you can't do any of that. You have to rest on grace, and you have to rest on the finished work of Christ this morning. So we finally come to a place where we have to step back and realize that even though the heavens are telling us how good he is in Psalms 19.1, we have to, we have to um, reel in what, what Psalms 19.7 says. It says, the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. We need that law. We need that special declaration. So we know through general revelation that God is holy, that God is just, that God is, he exists, that judgment by be warranted. 
But we need to ask ourselves um, what the problem that is, and simply is this, that general revelation does not show you the plan of redemption. And what I mean by that, I'm simply saying is this, when you look at creation, you do not see in creation the message of us being restored in fellowship with God. That's not in general revelation. That's, that's where it stops. That's why we need special revelation. Special revelation, if I was to coin it differently, I would simply say this. It's redemptive knowledge. It's to know how to walk in restoration and restorative fellowship with the Lord. Let me say this. Special revelation is God actively communicating knowledge of himself and his plan. So when I say knowledge of himself, I mean, I mean his, his grace, his love, his mercy, um, uh, all of his infinitudes and um, his sovereignty, all those aspects of who he is, and his plan of redemption to a particular person or group. Let me say that again. Special revelation is God actively communicating knowledge of himself and his plan of redemption to a particular person or group. And so, like I said earlier, the short way of saying that is to think of special revelation. Special revelation is simply redemptive knowledge. It's your understanding of how to be redeemed and be restored and to be saved and have fellowship with God the way he desires for you to be. And so every act in history, every word spoken, every sign, every symbol, every type, every shadow, every appearance of an angel, every you name it that we read in Scripture, that we see in history, is all uh, an act of moving man towards being redeemed and restored in right relationship. All of those things are pointing to Jesus. All of those things are signifying how we're restored. And so when we see angels and when we see theophanies, and I'll explain that later on, when we see miracles and we see all these different things in Scripture, what we know is simply this. All of those things are trying to push us towards who Christ is and what Christ is going to become. And so that our mind will understand that not through general revelation, but a special revelation. A special revelation is something that you can't come up on your own. You don't have the ability to discern it on your own. That is a wisdom given to you so that you might understand God's purposes and his plans. So why is a special revelation a necessity? Special revelation transitions us from the repercussions of sin to redemption from it. General revelation doesn't do that. So that means you can't just understand that there's a God and that he exists and there's a God and that he's holy and he wants us to be holy. And we also can see that there's a judgment upon us because we can see that all creation groans and the world is not in peace. So we see things are not right, but nothing in creation tells us that we are to walk in redemption with the Lord and how to do that. All of, all of creation simply does is tell us this, and our conscience tells us this, is that we're not, we're doomed. <laughs> that, that we're sinful man and that there is going to be a pain and a penalty for, for sin, and that is death. So, so here's the deal. Nothing in creation tells us those things, right? We, we need to have this special revelation. And I would just tell you this, that special revelation, when we talk more about this, is simply this. In another way, I'm just going to say it four or five different ways, possibly this morning, so you'll get it. But it is simply this. It is God's way in revealing the, the salvation and reconciliation path to Christ. That's what he wants. 
He wants to show you this is how you walk in relationship with me. This is how we we reconcile uh, our life. God wants to restore humanity's fellowship. Listen, it's not just the forgiveness of sin. Sometimes we equate Christ as taking the guilt off our shoulders, and that's okay. But can I tell you, Christ didn't come just to unburden you of your guilt. That is not what it's about. Christ has come because he longs to walk with you in the cool of the day again. He longs to walk with you in the intimacy and the relationship that oftentimes we don't have. We know church. We know the Bible. We know America. We know right and wrong. We just don't know Jesus. Because we don't understand the intimacy that he is longing and that he gave himself to have. Not just to remove the the penalty of sin from your life. There's much more than that. Much more than that. For, For us to say that Christ has only come to remove sin from your life... It's just like saying that we're living right just so we can be in heaven. That's not the reason why we want to go to heaven. I want to to see Jesus forever. Heaven is just there with me. But my goal is to see him face to face, to know him who redeemed me and died for me this morning. And so it's not good enough for me just to be sin-free and unburdened by guilt. I want to know him. Do you want to know? I mean, can you say that's your heart? That you want to know him. I just know about him. I just be intelligent enough to talk about him. But it's just something inside of you that when you think about knowing him, it slows you down. And there's an intimate moment in your heart that says, oh, I I crave him to be near. I long just to sit and feel the heaviness of his presence on my shoulders. And even the whisper. I don't even know if Donna's here this morning or not, but me and Donna were talking Thursday at Young at Heart, and we were just talking about just hearing the whisper, just just if the Lord just says something, we're just like, here I am, Lord, here I am. Rather than destroying my life, taking my jaw from me, <laughs> you know, you know, allowing my health to come crazy, my marriage to fall apart, and then me say, what? What do you want? I don't want to go that path. I want to be at that place that, that, that special revelation brings me to. And that is a place that I can have an intimate, real relationship with God and not just be a good Bible believer. You hear what I'm saying this morning? In fact, see, we couldn't come to this knowledge any other way. Paul says the reason why you can't reason through empirical evidence or you can't reason through your philosophical mind is because the plan of redemption is hidden from you and hidden from you. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7 through 10. He says, but we impart a secret and a hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages of glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this. If they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the what? Not your mind, nor your eye. To know how to walk in relationship with God must be revealed to you through the Spirit of God. You, 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 can't, you can't make sense of it. So let me just bring some encouragement to you. 
your family member, your friend, your coworker, they're trying their best to understand this. And I would say, by all means, continue to, to, to explain the Word of God to them. That, that is the revelation that they need. But just know, until that spirit inside of them begins to grasp what God is saying, that information and words and logic won't do it. It just won't do it. Keep pounding away that one of these days, everything that you've spoken into their life will all of a sudden, boom, catch light, and they realize, oh, now I get it. It's like all of a sudden they had an epiphany, like all of a sudden they had a revelation. And that's why you and I are so important, to preach this revelation. And so ultimately, what we're looking at is God uses the revelation to speak the plan of redemption in our life. So what does a revelation look like? What does a special revelation look like? How do I recognize a special revelation? Because when I say that, ultimately what I'm saying is that there's a question that's needing to be asked here. And that question is simply this. How does God communicate with us? How does God speak to us? Some of y'all are like, please tell me because I've been asking questions for a long time. I want to know how does God speak to us? And he speaks to us through his revelation, his special revelation that we find in Scripture and in history. I want you to remind yourself that special revelation is not discovered upon yourself through, through, uh, through a discernment in creation or your conscience. We need something more specific, something more special. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. The Word of God says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Notice this, he said, many times and many ways. And so when it comes to speaking to his creation in a special way, he has been doing so through many forms. Let me show you uh, seven forms that God uh, speaks to us through special revelation. First is through theophanies. In Theophanies, we see uh, like Jacob when he wrestled with the Lord, um, when God came down and he um, uh, met Abraham on his way to Sodom and Gomorrah, and he met with him. Theophanies are simply God appearing in human form, appearing in human form. That's a theophany. The second thing is uh, dreams and visions. All throughout Scripture, we know dreams and visions. When we look at the prophets, Daniel, Ezekiel, uh, even in the book of Genesis, when it comes to Joseph interpreting dreams, God is speaking through dreams and visions. These are special revelations that God is speaking about what? Well, it's about redemption. It's about uh, claiming back his people or moving them towards the plan that he has for them. The third thing is through direct communication. Many times throughout Scripture in the Old Testament, we see God speaking directly to someone. He spoke directly to Abraham. He spoke directly to Moses. In fact, Moses, he said of Moses, he goes, I speak to other people through dreams and visions, but of Moses, I speak to him mouth to mouth. So we know that there's a direct communication. How many of y'all say, Lord, bring it back? I love some direct communication. Just speak to me mouth to mouth, Lord. When I got a question, I just need an answer. I just need a thus saith the Lord. Am I alone this morning? Y'all don't care about Jesus. It's all right. All right, number four is angels. And all throughout Scripture, what we see is that angels constantly show up. When people are hard-headed and don't listen to God. See, some of y'all might have some angels in your life and you don't know it, you know. It may be your wife, so who knows. 
trying to get something to you because you don't understand what God's trying to tell you. And so he shows up. And what, what do we always see in Scripture when angels show up? What's the first thing he always say? Do not fear. Because God knew you was too dumb to get it over in the first place. He would try to tell you in the beginning. You didn't listen to him. And so he had to show up. And I don't think they got wings, you know, but show up in this power and this might. And they're trembling. And they know that, okay, this is of God. Yes, it's of God. And so he's trying to get a message, a special revelation to you. Gideon, yes, you are, you mighty man of valor. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. And so God uses uh, angels to speak his plan and, and, and move people towards his purposes. And then we know miracles. There's so many miracles throughout Scripture. Miracles, miracles are nothing more than God acting in a supernatural way to reveal or declare himself in a greater capacity. God is just trying. When, when, if, if you ever had a miracle, can I just be honest with me? If you've ever, if you've ever witnessed a miracle or, you, or you've seen a miracle yourself, like in your own life, raise your hand. I'm just curious. Stop right there. Keep your hand up. Y'all look around. Do you see the Lord is disclosing himself? Thank you. Put your hands down. The Lord is disclosing himself to us. That I am not operating in the normal way. I'm not operating in a normal way of communication. I'm revealing myself to you in a way that you know it's only me. So God is, he's, he's about this understanding. He's about this communication. And then the last two I want to talk about uh, before we go is simply the person of Jesus Christ in Scripture. So when we see the person of Jesus Christ, what we can see is simply when we come to Jesus, we see that Jesus is the ultimate form of all of these forms of um, uh, special revelations. In terms of theophanies, what we see Jesus is, is that God no longer took human form, but he took on human nature to let us know his plan of redemption. In terms of dreams and visions, God spoke to Joseph about the, the birth of Jesus. In terms of direct communication, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That means if you're talking to me, guess what? You're talking to the Father. So he is speaking to them directly. I'd have loved to have been around during Jesus' time. I say that, but he may have read my mail, and I'd have felt dumb with the rich man and ran away. I don't know. In terms of angels, he used the, the announcements of angels at his birth and his resurrection at the tomb. And in terms of miracles, probably the two greatest miracles we see in all of Scripture is that of the virgin birth. Can't do that again, I guarantee you. And the second one is, is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And so God is, he's constantly pulling these things together to let you know that he is the climax. He is the fullness of all special revelation. What does that say to us? That means in terms of God's plan and his purposes, in terms of redeeming you, look to Christ. It's so important because we, we, we can't go down Oprah's road and say there's other ways. There's not other ways. There is the way and no other ways. It is through Jesus Christ. And if we don't understand that he is the only way, that he is the only revelation, he's more than just a revelation uh, of, of the word of God. He is the revelation of God himself. He is very God, very, very, very man, but very God. And so when we, when we look at this life of his, we understand that he is that very revelation of God. In fact, all forms of revelation, all things that God's been trying to speak to us in terms of our redemptive processes are through the Scripture. We can read that in the Scripture. And this is what Jesus says about Scripture, all the things that you've been looking for. John 5, 39, he says this, you search the Scriptures, that is, recorded words of God, miracles, prophecies, dreams and visions, encounters with angels, appearances of God in human form. You search the Scriptures 
because you think that in them they have eternal life. <clears throat> and it is they that bear witness about me. So Jesus was not only the revelation of the plan uh, of redemption, but he is the revelation of the very God himself. And I would say this, it's, it's one thing to know the words of someone, but when you know someone personally, that's a whole other thing. I don't know about you, but I love reading dead people's books, you know, biographies. And as I'm reading about them, I, I feel like I come to know them. But I can't imagine what it was like to actually know uh, Theodore, um, Teddy Roosevelt. Teddy Theodore, is, it, is that what it is? I say, Theodore, you know, TDR, that's his name, right? Thank you very much. They're like, where'd that guy go to school at? Little Rock, I don't recommend you going. From Washington to TDR, all we see is, is that I come to know who they are, but I really don't know who they are until I spend a day with them, right? Can I just say this too? You may hear me preach every Sunday, but until you spend time with Scott Brandon, you've not really got the full experience. I don't know if you want that full experience. You might have to talk to my wife about that. Don't talk to my sister, that's for sure. But what I'm asking is, is that you've been reading his words, but do you know? Do you know Christ? Do you know him? Not just the written word, but the living word? Because he is God himself. John 1.18 says this, that no one has ever seen God, the only God who is the Father's side. He has made him known. Jesus said in John, 4, or John said in 14.9, Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and still you do not know me, Philip? Who has ever seen me has seen the Father? How can you say, show us the Father? You and I have the privileged ability to know Christ and to know the Father. But we know him through the revelation of his word, which is the last thing. I want you to know that Jesus is the theme, the main topic, the headline of every piece of revelation that discloses anything that God is, has done, or will do. So what does all that mean in regards to the, to the Bible that we have on ourselves at home? So the Bible that you read. How many of y'all, can I just, this is an accountability moment. How many of you guys are reading the reading plan that I gave to you? Okay, go home and do better. <clears throat> we'll get there. It's important for us to read this word. I don't want to just know what he says. I want to know who he is. Whereas Jesus is the living word and the fullness of all revelation, the Bible is the written word and is the final and ultimate form of revelation as depicted in Christ. And so the last point is simply this. The Bible is the ultimate form of revelation as depicted in Christ. That means that whatever Jesus said, whatever power he has to say, whatever wisdom he has to say, whatever he discloses to us about the Father, if the Bible says the same thing, which is how we know what Jesus said, then it carries the same power, the same impact, and the same authority. Don't let anyone ever tell you that this is just a witness to the things that happened. Don't let anybody ever tell you that this doesn't have, this doesn't have all power, that it doesn't have all authority. Don't let anyone ever tell you to think anything less of this Word of God. This is the reason why we follow one book. Other things may help you, but only one, there's only one book we follow. Only one book has the right to say, Scott, stop that today. You, you better believe it. Only one book has the right to say, sacrifice everything you own. And if it says that, I'll do my best, you know, to do that. 
but it has the authority and the power to do those things because it is the ultimate form of revelation as depicted in Christ. So what do we learn today? What do we learn today? As the worship, worship team comes back up, what do we learn today? We learn that, number one, this book carries the full weight of the message of redemption. You can't, you can't have a relationship with God. You can't find the plan back. You can't understand what redemptive knowledge is and get back into right standing with God unless you have first heard the Word of God. That's why Paul says, how will they know unless someone preaches it? How will they know unless someone's sent by it to preach it? How beautiful is the feet of those who preach, who carry the gospel of Jesus Christ? It's important for us to preach the Word of God. It's, listen, it's important for your pastor to preach Jesus. It is, not, it is not important for me to preach you how to get rich or how to have a better marriage. Really, what's, what matters is, is that I preach you how to, how to know who Jesus is, and Jesus will lead you into the other things of life. Your benefits come by knowing who Jesus is. If you ever hear me preaching something less than Jesus and that Jesus just the salt and the pepper on my steak, call me out on it. Now, don't do it publicly, but come to me and say, Pastor Scott, we got, we got to talk about something. I don't feel like you're preaching Jesus. Because if I'm not preaching Jesus, if who you're listening to is not preaching Jesus, then what revelation are you actually listening to? And we know what we said last week is that whatever authority we're putting ourselves under, whatever has word, the right to speak over us, that is our master. And we're slaves to those things. And if I'm going to be a slave to anything... I'm going, to be, uh, I'm going to be a slave to the plan of redemption that sets me free. It helps me to know who he is. So this book carries the full weight of revelation, the full weight of the message that can't be found in general revelation, that Jesus has not only come to reveal God's plan and purposes, but, but is God's plan and purpose himself. God wants you to know who he is and not just what he's asked you to do. We also know that special revelation is a necessity because only it can reveal the way of salvation and reconcil reconciliation to God. And that general revelation we find in creation, we find in our conscience, is, is inadequate in revealing man's redemption and can even lead you into a workspace lifestyle. I want to just reiterate this again because, because many, many of us, I had, a, I had a best friend growing up who was a good guy. I mean, he was good. I went to church, but he lived better than I did. He was more compassionate, more sympathetic, more responsible, more honest. He was just better than, than, than every area. But he didn't know Jesus. And can I tell you that when it comes down to it, when Jesus looks at him and looks at me, if, 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 if I hadn't changed, obviously, then he would have... He would tell my best friend, I don't know you. It's not, it's not good enough that you do good things. It's not good enough that you know the Word of God backwards and forwards. That's not enough. You have to know who Christ is. So what's our response today? You know, church, you know what the Bible says, you know, wrong, right and wrong, you know Jesus. But are you spending time with the written Word? Because you'll never, you'll never come to personally know the living word, unless you spend time in the written word. Can I say that again? And I hope that challenges you. 
you'll never come to personally and intimately know the living word until you spend time in the written word. It is a necessity and a must. And so our first response this morning as we get ready to open the altar is simply this. Maybe you would say, Lord, I don't know you like I should. So help me to have a greater relationship with you and a greater relationship with your, your written word. My second question I have today is, are you living from a limited view of, of, of revelation? Are you, are, are you just living in a way that you know God exists and you know he has expectations for you and you're trying to do the best that you can, you're, you're doing what you think is good, but you've not acknowledged the fact that you're a sinner. You've not acknowledged the fact that you've fallen short of the glory of God and that if you don't confess your sins to him, if you don't affirm that he died for you, then hell is your penalty and your destination. Regardless of how good your life may feel and look right now, if you've not come to that place where you realize I can't do anything to satisfy him, but because he's done everything for me, I'll live in response to love him through obedience. I'm not worried about my works satisfying him. I'm worried about my works letting him know I love him. And if you're not living in that way, then I want to encourage you this morning is to firm up that relationship with him this morning. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to listen to the Lord tug at your heart. This morning, the Lord spoke to us or someone in here. He's tugging at your heart. And here in a moment, as they begin to sing, I want to ask you, is, is he speaking to you? It's time for you to know him personally not just be a good person, but to be in right standing, to know him more than just a God, but to know him as a Savior, to know him as a master and a Lord and a King. What's he speaking to you this morning? I'm going to open the altars today. And the Lord has been tugging on your heart. And maybe he's been saying two things. One, you've not been spending time in my word. And you don't know me the way I want you to know me. Or else he's been saying, you don't know me at all. You know about me, but you don't know me. If any of those two things apply to you, the Lord is pulling on your heart. As the worship team begins to sing. You come down here and talk to the Lord. I'll let him finish that conversation with you this morning. Would you come?